0: Welcome back to Let's Talk About God, part two
1: of creation. Do you dare me to hit the button? I will No, not. please don't. That music is awesome. Please don't. That's just my great bumper music, but I won't do it this don't time. Don't make them go through that again.
0: That let, was, let
1: us just play the fancy little digitally noise we usually play. That was just so funny. That was just, <laughs> that was just, that was an awesome moment. <laughs> just was, I'm like a kid with a toy. I'm just like, I'm a, you know how you t- you put cookies out and you tell the child not to. Eat? It's like my dog. My dog just is looking like if I'm holding a piece of food. If I turn my head, he's just gonna snatch Get it. it. Yeah. I just want to reach over there and hit those buttons, but but I'm not gonna do it right Don't, now. It's just, crazy. how dogs know what your face does.
0: Or dogs they know, know what your face. Does. <laughs> they know like he's looking away. He looks with his face. <laughs> If his face is that way, he can't see me. I can't, can't believe you me. just said that. I just can't believe you said it. It's
1: amazing how your dog knows what your face does. I don't know
0: why I just thought that. Like, they're they're smart enough to know what your face does.
1: Oh, this is going to be a good episode.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, okay. They're on the upper tier of
1: creation. Oh, no. I think we need to create a segue to, from this topic.
0: All right. So last time, I think where we left off, we talked about the goodness of creation, how God made everything good. Everything was all good. Um, but I think we should bring up something. I never heard of this. So like, you just roll with it. There is apparently out there an interesting theory about pre adamic creation that is, that is out there. Tell me, what is that theory? What do they believe? And then where
1: in Genesis can we get the right answers? Okay, so I'm I'm just I didn't research. It's not like I researched this. I'm I'm pulling. It's just this, like in your brain. I'm pulling this from my, uh, you know, from the knowledge that I have, um, you know, through the years. So here here's the concept, and I've pulled it up. Uh, the the concept is that that there that when the Bible says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, He created this this earth. All right, so there's several facets of this, and when he created this earth, there's even there's even a thought process that there was a pre-Adamic race, hmm. that that he so created
0: humans that are not before, from
1: Adam, from at, before Adam. Okay, and then then there's another thought. So that's one thought. The the other thought is that he created a pre-Adamic that that he created the world pre-Adam. And that this was the world of the dinosaurs, because we're trying to figure out where do the dinosaurs belong. So the pre-Adamic world is the world of the dinosaurs. So that means he's created animals, okay? And then what happened was the Bible says that Satan rebelled against God and was kicked out of heaven. So the assumption is that he created all this before Satan rebelled. Okay, and I know, I know the Bible says that in the day of creation, the morning star sang for joy whatever. So, okay, I don't have a problem with that. What I do have a problem with is that it says that that Satan was cast out of heaven, and so he came to this pre-Adamic world. And in fury and anger, he and the domin- dominions of hell just destroyed the world. They destroyed everything. And that's where you get verse 2 which says "And the world and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Hmm. Okay. So that's where the voidness, the voidness, I don't think that's a word, but that's where
0: I see what you're saying. That's why it's void. That's why it's without form. because They
1: destroyed it. Yeah. So that's, (laughs) That that is
0: quite. And so the dinosaurs are driving the bus though. Like this entire theory, is for the dinosaurs or it's out of like an actual conviction of Scripture?
1: Uh, not just, not really the dinosaurs. I think it, it has to do with the, verse 2. The struggle is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, okay? And the earth was without form and voice. So they can't understand how is it that God created the heavens and the earth. That's what it says. But then there's water and there's darkness. And so they're trying to figure out, well, where did... Where, where did that happen? You know, how could he, because it, why, why is it? So I think it was an attempt to try to e- explain that. I think there is a simpler explanation that's, that's in the Bible. And I really lean towards this mm-hmm. a whole lot more. Um, and, and again, that's why we said in the last episode that this subject is so vast and broad, Um but but there is a there is a organization called back to genesis that does a really great job of this and ray comfort and some of these guys do an excellent job with with dealing with these subjects so i'm going to defer to them but what i believe is that when it says in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth that is a broad statement that also is not like that's not descriptive of a, an event only but rather of a process of events mm-hmm. so in the beginning, God created. So what did he create? Verse 2, he created matter, a world that was without form. It was formless. It was shapeless. It was There was emptiness. Nothing was in it. There was darkness, and there was water, a primeval ocean that covered this shapeless mass.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think it was like... Uh, It was, and I don't know if this is a good analogy, it would be like God creating clay and then shaping the clay and filling the clay as a potter would.
0: So you're saying when God says he created in the beginning, God created the heavens on the earth, that's a preface for now the days he's about to walk through. Yeah, God created the heavens and the earth, and here are the steps. Step one... He created, you know, right. he and separated I, the firm. Together. But I think
1: it's starting matter. Like I, I, I got a, f- a guy I know he he works at a place that makes golf balls, Taylor, Taylor Made golf balls. Okay, they they manufacture the golf ball there, but they have to go to China. China has to import this raw material, like the core that's in a every golf ball, that red core. Sometimes a different color. That material, so the heavens and the earth refers
0: to that raw material from which he, which is the the earth, the heavens and the earth, right? That, that is nothing. That is form, you know formless without you know and void. And then he draws from it.
1: Yeah, I think he he creates raw material. I think he speaks into existence what we call primeval material, and then out of that begins to fashion or form and fill. Okay, I,
0: I agree. I think when he says he creates the heavens and the earth, he is referring to that material it's still heavens and still earth even if it isn't
1: in its final form even if it isn't complete right and that's where the six days creation process Mm -hmm. it is it is a six-day process but i to me that's the easiest answer yeah i don't have a problem with that i think it fits scripture Mm -hmm. because if you say where did the water come from where did the darkness come from where do if you create a well there's only one answer god
0: He created the heavens and the earth. That's it. Right. And it
1: says it. He created the heavens and the earth. It doesn't say in this that, it doesn't say in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth. And the Lord decided to create material to work with. And so he created (laughs) darkness and water and a shapeless mass that was really just empty. And the earth was without form and void. It was empty Mm -hmm. and it was shapeless, a shapeless mass. It doesn't say that in detail, but it does say it Mm -hmm. without saying it as. As if God has to make a specific commentary on everything. That's he's what doing. bothers me uh, about
0: a lot of the ways people approach Genesis is they want Genesis one to answer all of their twenty twenty one questions, and that's not the point of Genesis twenty twenty or Genesis one. Yeah, it's not to answer all of your questions. It's to answer a certain level of questions about God as the creator of the world, the goodness of the world, X Y Z, His purpose for it. It's not meant to be exhaustive in such a sense, so there are some things we could just leave to mystery or trust God with.
1: Yeah, but exactly. I think you're totally right. Yeah, so so that so I don't believe that there was a pre-Adamic race. I believe Adam was the first Adam, the first man, because the New Testament calls him the first man or the first Adam. Mm-hmm. His um, name literally means man. Man, like, right? So I think that that's pretty clear to me. Uh, so I don't believe in a pre-Adamic race. I. So 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 anyway that that's that's my thoughts there and 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 our listeners may differ and that's fine that's part of a podcast but that's what that's what we believe. Um, second, the the question of the dinosaurs then comes in oh, yeah. is where were the dinosaurs and that's where this pre-Adamic world helps people to say well well that's where the dinosaurs were and then then Satan came down here and he ruined it and so either they destroyed the world or God sent. God sent comets and asteroids to destroy the world. What, you know, I guess there's there's so many different ways this thing could be looked at. Um I don't have a problem with in the creation process in Genesis 1, I don't have a problem with God creating dinosaurs. Okay, now there are a number of species that have become extinct through the the millennia. Mm-hmm. Uh the dodo bird is probably the most common if, if you ever You know, a lot of people know, like, because it used to be a bad thing to say, "you dodo bird." You know, if (laughs) you want to call somebody stupid, you call them a dodo bird. But, uh, but the dodo bird is no longer in existence. There are other animals, Uh, and so I don't have a problem at all that that when God created the animals, He created the dinosaurs. I just don't have a problem with that. And and then during, He said, "Well, then what happened to them?" I think in the flood stage would make the most sense biblically that. And you, you and I were laughing. Is they might have been too big to get on the ark? I, I don't know how you to get too big dinosaurs on an ark. Uh, but the the point is that it's very possible that they were they just became extinct, uh, and and they didn't make it. And two, you know, I have literally not researched the science on this. Is it possible
0: we got dinosaurs wrong? We've never found a complete dinosaur, right? Like not a frozen one.
1: This is all from bones. The woolly mammoths. I think they found woolly mammoths frozen. But like I'm talking about, like a T. Rex.
0: Have we found a complete bone structure that makes sense for like a big, giant, scaly reptilian thing that like eats people? Or we are we like just? Playing yeah. Tetris. Are we just putting stuff together? No, like makes, I saw it fun. on Jurassic Park. They've, they've had, <laughs> All right. They yeah. found
1: them. <laughs> Didn't you see Jurassic Park and the archaeologists? I'm them. fine with dinosaurs existing. I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe we got it wrong. I I don't know that we've got it wrong. I I think I've is, never done the research. Yeah, no I haven't. Way. I think there's. I think they found entire skeletal remains of them. So the point is, they existed. Some kind of animal like that doesn't exist today. The easiest explanation is they're extinct. Yeah. Just like a lot of other species have have got extinct and have become extinct. And so, well, yeah, the Bible talks about the 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 leviathan, leviathan, le, leviathan, whatever it is. Um Sea monster. We've tried to explain what that is. The Loch Ness monster. Yeah, but we, you know, some people say it's a crocodile, it's an alligator. They don't know. And it really didn't necessarily fit an alligator. So it could have been an animal that would exist. The Bible back talks in-
0: about dragons. Every culture has a concept of a dragon.
1: Yeah. Therefore, dragons are real. We're real. We're real. But it may not be the dragons <laughs> of
0: I <don't> know.
1: <laughs> mythology. I, I gotta know. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, but my point is, <laughs> I don't have a problem with putting dinosaurs during pre, like the pre-flood, uh-huh. pre-no, pre-noaic. I don't have a problem with that. And then they just they got extinct. Even if you say, well, the Bible says two of every animal. Okay, so they got dinosaurs after the flood. They didn't make it. Like how many how many animals got on the fl- the ark and there was only two and the two didn't make it. Didn't he say he wants seven kinds of clean, seven kinds of unclean? No, seven clean and then two of every unclean. I got you. Sorry. Yeah. So what you needed to clean off offer sacrifices. Yes. So, so anyway, that's that's kind of the the whole thing about you know people say where do the dinosaurs fit in? I, I think there's a very reasonable. I don't want to make a statement here before we before we move on um, to to, to, to the, continue talking about creation. The, and I hope my list. I hope our listeners will really just zero in what I'm about to say. We live in a society and <laughs> a culture. We, we go me. to educational uh, systems, colleges, universities, schools. We, we, the, un, the the presumption is, okay, science is king. As Bill Nye says, science rules. Science rules. Bill Nye is an idiot, and I'm going to say that on a podcast. Oh, I boy. Have, he, he, you might he, need to edit that one out. No, he, don't edit that one out. He's He went to uh, – He spoke at a South Carolina teacher's meeting, big thing they did, and he walked in. The first thing he did in a South Carolina, here in the Bible Belt, he made a crack on that God, on God, God doesn't exist, and I'm told the entire teacher's group there, the workers, hundreds of people, they all got up and walked out on him, left him standing there at the podium by himself.
0: I think he's pretty publicly anti-religion. Oh, I he's, think that's
1: his shtick His now. whole thing. So they all just got up and walked out, left him standing there, which, which he deserved. But anyway, the the temptation, because of the culture and society we live in, educational system, is that—and and we have to be careful as believers. I'm going to make the Bible fit science, okay? Science says the earth is billions of years old. Therefore, that means whatever I read in Genesis 1 has to be, okay, it has to fit that. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the science says there used to be dinosaurs. So dinosaurs, I have to fit that into the Bible. I have to make the Bible, the Bible has to The Bible has to meet up with whatever science says, and that dictates how I read the Bible. That's uh-huh. not what we do. It's mm-hmm. not how it works. Don't do that. Don't do that. Science should fit your Bible. Mm-hmm. You read the Bible, and then you let science match the Bible. It's, it is the Word of God. It is not some empty book or some fictitious book or whatever. This is the living Word of God. It is truth from the first letter to the last letter of this Bible. It is God's truth. So science has to match up with the Bible. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said... When I look at dinosaurs, I'm going to fit dinosaurs. I'm not going to make the Bible fit the dinosaur period. I'm going to make dinosaurs fit into the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay, and 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 so that's what you you have to be careful with. And then you even have to be so careful though that you don't you don't convolute the two. So the Big Bang theory is. Very popular now. Very, that's in vogue. That's understood that that there was a bit. So there are people that have said, you know, facetiously. Well, I don't have a problem with the Big Bang Theory. God said it, bang, there it was. (laughs) (laughs) You never heard heard that that before. (laughs) Bang, there it was. (laughs) Well, you know that's funny. But the thing is, now you're trying to say, okay, I'm going to take the idea that nothing existed, but that God was behind the Big Bang, and that. Then over a series of billions of years, there was the 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 the, the matter, the hot matter expanded through the universe. Well, wait a minute. You're already saying there was a universe. Mm. Well, okay, well, then God created the, the universe, but he didn't create the world. He just created, like, the universe, but it was empty, and then he did, the big bang happened. And then he's like, no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God spoke, and these things came into being. So you have to be careful that you're not trying because that's what we do. I got I got to make science work with the scriptures and and so I got to I got to figure out how I can and we're going to get into a subject here in just a minute about were they literal days or figurative days. But I I really hope that that right now what I'm saying can really influence people. Once you go down that road, I think you begin to dilute your faith. Yeah. It's like I'm having to explain God. I don't have to explain God. Mhm. God doesn't need my help mm-hmm. making Him seem legit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying?
0: Absolutely. But like God doesn't yeah. need
1: me to help validate His work. I, I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get all these guys, professors, and all these scientists over here to, to we go together collaboratively. We're gonna, we're gonna try to make God, we're gonna make God work. I think of it this way. I, I have like a couple
0: of things. One, the like, and I've said it multiple times. I just said it a few minutes ago. Genesis 1 was not designed to argue against 2021 atheists. It was designed to argue against polytheism in Moses' day. Genesis 1 has a particular theological purpose that the one, the singular triune God purposefully made the heavens and the earth, and it was good. That material isn't bad, and it's not the process of random Egyptian gods or whatever ancient Near Eastern gods happening to make the universe. He's making a particular theological point. So that's one, in that you can't use something that was never designed to answer every last detailed scientific question and then ruin your faith over it. Let's right. relax. Two, it's, it's worthless to always waste your time trying to compare the Bible to... Uh, you know, science or critiques of the Bible. You need to be patient because science and even just modern study is always shifting and changing. What we believe about science today is not what we believed a hundred years ago, and it's not what we're going to believe a hundred years now, or even five years ago. So, yeah. So, don't shipwreck your faith when there may be a modern scientific development in five, fifty, a hundred years that maybe even validates Christianity or something else that's wrong, but maybe it shifts the entire conversation away from uh, what you're stressing out about. And three, every, every time that people weigh a heavy critique on the Bible, it always takes time. It's not immediate, but more information comes out. I'll give you an example. For the longest time, people said that there's no way that Moses could have been the author of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. They said that in Moses's day, human written language had not developed yet. And so it would have been impossible for Moses to write it down. This was a big critique on the Bible. Who was the author of the first five books? You know, maybe, maybe questioning, can you trust it, blah, 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 blah. blah. After years of development and archaeological study and ancient studies, we found out that by Moses's day, written language had been, had, been, had been in existence. Sorry, I just started a bunch. Been in existence for years upon years. And it is completely credible that Moses could have written down the Pentateuch. But you could have stressed out your faith if you would have taken the modern research. I say all that to say that every time there's a critique, slow down, be patient. God always reveals something that can then begin to validate the Bible. So I am not going to shipwreck my faith on what modern man says and will probably reject evolve or change in 5 15 50 years and I'm going to trust God to do what he always does and reveal
1: information that validates the truth anyways. Yeah, that's where faith comes in. I mean it's just it's a matter of choice what can I can I believe God? Will I Trust is is God. his
0: word divinely inspired to begin with, and so do I hold him? Do I do I cast myself and trust in him and let him worry about the rest?
1: I remember one time reading because carbon dating is a huge thing; it's been around for a long, long time, and scientists really lean on it. And I'm not going to totally, again, I'm not a scientist, but I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and just totally try to discredit carbon dating. I'm going to believe that carbon dating can work up to a point. I'm also going to believe that carbon dating can be wrong. Mm-hmm. Just like a lot of measuring systems can be inaccurate. Mm-hmm. To prove the point, this happened years ago. Someone took a live mollusk, a live mollusk, and carbon dated it, and it was like tens of thousands years old, and it was still alive. <laughs> so that was showing that carbon dating
0: not is, yeah. is
1: not reliable. Yeah. Okay? So— can it work yes i'm not the scientist but i just never forgot that where they took a live mollusk and somebody said All right let's see if carbon dating it should show that it's mm-hmm. two years old five years however old the mollusk was and it was like tens of thousands of <laughs> years <old>. so <laughs> you know that's why you can't make science king you can't make science god you can't say that science is always right. The humans around me are wrong way too often for me to put my trust in them.
0: I'm wrong way too often for me to put my entire faith and
1: religion in religion and what other human beings have to say. Sorry, not going to do it. No, it's let not going to happen. And the Bible says, "Let God be true and every man a liar." Exactly. I mean, it's just it's it's the way it's the way it is. He's He's God. So let's let's tackle. Um, Let's
0: tackle Uh, seven-day creation. I just want to read what I put in my notes. Okay. I'm deferring to dad on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Was it literal seven days or figural? What implications does this have? Is there a non-literal seven-day that though you disagree with it, you understand how they came to that conclusion or maybe give it some credence or respect in any way?
1: No. I'm deferring to you. No. So I'll start with where I believe. Uh Uh-huh. I believe that God created the cosmos, the universe, in six days. And I believe they were six 24-hour day periods. Now, let me explain why. The way it's used in the Bible, it's used for a 24-hour day period, okay? But even more specifically, this is where God did get in detail. Every day, he said the evening and the morning were the first day. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's a 24-hour period. So he didn't say, he did not say that, which could leave a lot of room for the, the epical. I think that's the right way to say it, uh, approach to this, which I'll explain in a minute. I really believe they were, they were, the other reason I believe it is because he rested on the seventh day, which is a, a, a clear, divine mandate and example how you should work six days and then you should rest one day and not work. That that is a divine design for humanity, okay? Even forget the remember the Sabbath day. From creation, you're supposed to work six days and then you're supposed to rest and give your body time to re-energize and rejuvenate, et cetera. So that's a day. I live in days. So The other reason I believe that is because that was the establishment of the first week, Mm -hmm. a work week. And I think that set days and weeks for Adam when he created Adam, that he said, I have given you a time structure. Let me tell you what just happened. This is what happened the last six days, okay? And if he created Adam on the sixth day, what did Adam have to do the very first day that he lived? To rest. Never thought about that till right now in this podcast. Huh. The very first day that Adam was alive, his next first full next day, he had to spend time with God. That's good. Man, I, I've never heard I of that I have before. never I've thought, thought, of thought that about that until right at this moment. Huh. Our podcast listeners are getting something I've never shared and thought in my life. That's a revelation. Huh. On the That's seventh good. day, he rested and spent time with God. Man. Pretty cool, isn't it? So that's Dang, why dude, you got to flesh that out later. You got to sit down and write something out. Work that out. So that's why I believe they were literal days. Okay. The alternative is again to try to make the Bible fit into science. People have said, "Well, scientists say that the earth is billions of years old, so or millions of years. I don't know what they think it is." So we've got to somehow reconcile science with the Bible. So therefore, we're going to say that each of those days were actually epics or periods of time and we'll take the different scientific epics or periods that go through, like if you're taking the science class in high school or college and, and we'll fit that. And that was day one. And then the next period was day two and the next. And so they try to craft this, this understanding that they weren't literal days. And the problem with that is, it's really hard to match that up when there are very specific actions taking place on those days. Mm -hmm. Very, and it's not and and, all right. And, and I read it on the last episode. I read up through that God in one day, one day created the firmament, which would be the entire universe, the the heavens Mm -hmm. one day in one day. Not over billions of years and through an expansion of hot matter from the Big Bang, in one day, he made the sun, he made the moon, and he made all the other suns, which we call stars, and scattered them throughout the universe in one day. I mean, it's what it says. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I can come up with all this other to try, but why would I want to do that when I'm going to say, you know, I'm just a regular old Joe reading the Bible, and it doesn't say that it took him multi-millions of years He's God. He just yeah. spoke it and did it in one day. Mm-hmm. Just flung those stars out there. All those, all those, all those hot burning suns are out there, and, and made this mess. Well, why did he do all that? He did all that for us. Yeah, that's that's what. When we talk like this, non-religious or non-believers um, who are usually who are very skeptical or anti-Christian say, "How arrogant of you." You're going to be—plus how stupid of you—you're going to be stupid enough and arrogant enough to believe that God created the sun, the moon, and our galaxy, and our universe, and all of those billions of—they're countless stars. You're going to be stupid enough and arrogant enough to say that God did all that just for we folks on this little blue planet called Earth.
0: Yep. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all building up. You're you're right. That's the point, too, is that the Bible is, and this sounds so obvious, it's a theological book. It comes with a theological purpose, not a purely scientific purpose. So as you begin to scientify everything, you begin to miss out on the clear meaning, which is exactly what you're saying. The process that God goes through, he separates the heavens and the earth, then he puts lights in the sky, then he brings the land out of the water, then he's putting like the actual like stars, sun, moon in the sky, which not only assists with light, but with our concept of time and days and things like that. Then he's putting the plants and everything for human life. And then on the sixth day, humans, the crown of creation are made after the fish first then the birds of the air, then animals can live on the land, then we are there. The the entire flow of the story in which God is increasingly
1: shaping the earth for humans to be able to live on. So Genesis 1-2 says, and the earth was without form and void or empty. And he gradually fills. So what does he do? He forms and he fills. He forms the firmament. He fills it with sun, moon, and stars. Mm. He forms... The earth out of the waters, and he fills it with animals and birds and eventually man. He forms the ocean out of the firmament. He separates the water above from the water below, and then he fills it with all the, the mammals, sea the sea creatures, and the fish, and the, and the aquatic mammals. It's forming and filling, mm-hmm. forming and filling. Mm-hmm. For, and he's doing this all in 24-hour period days. But you, you, you made a point, and we touched on this in the last episode, Evan— it's it is a theological book the point is to point you to god and this and when you take science and you become totally scientific but you also become anti-theistic or non-theistic and mm-hmm. you remove god from the equation then you've got to come up with these answers so we got to come up with the, the so yes there's a big vast universe that was eternal no it's not Yes, all these, all the, there could be other planets out there, maybe, but they they don't have inhabitants on them. How can you say that? Because Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross for us, who, the people who are made in the image. You don't believe God? Yes, He can do anything, but mm-hmm. do I believe that He's done that? No, I don't. I think He sprung all of that out there. The sun gives us the the light in the day, and the moon the light at the night. The moon controls the tides and the oceans. Uh, the the sun. We rotate around the sun. That gives us years. The earth rotates to give us days. We have our seasons because of the sun. We have the stars in the sky that light up the sky at night, which just one big black mass. But no, he put all those stars out there for us to gaze at, and we can build telescopes and look at and study them. And um, we we guide our ships by the North Star. Uh, we, we have these planets that we can look at and develop this whole field of astronomy, yeah, I I believe he did all that for us, and I, I don't think like I'm arrogant, and I don't think I'm stupid. I just think that God did this, and He did it for us.
0: And but and then we have to ask, well, what are we? Well, we are the image of God on earth. When we say we're the crown of creation, we're not being self-important, but God is a, is slowly, methodically, intentionally establishing this kingdom. Built all else, and then he sends those made in his image to do what? To
1: take dominion and rule over it. Well, before we go there, let me touch on one more thing that segues to what you're talking about. And I think you touched on this. It's it's all to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. So you say, well, why would he do that? Why would he create this massive universe that we can't even see across? And we're trying to explore. Well, first of all, I think he does it because he knows he makes us explorers. But I think more so the heavens declare the glory of God. Yeah. So you know, don't call me arrogant and stupid. I I just believe. Here's a, here's a thought that God would do something that massive. It's massive to us. It's not to Him. He holds it in the hollow of His hand. Mm-hmm. But it's massive to us. Why does it seem so massive and broad and oh, it's just it's you know oh, it's just unbelievable. And there's these stars are billions of miles away, light years, and oh, He did all that to say there must be a God. There yeah. must be a design, a divine designer. How can all this be working? How can the sun be tilted at just the right angle? If we tilt one degree, one way we will burn to a crisp. If we tilt one degree, the degree the other way, we'll, we will freeze to death. This entire planet would be dead. Mm-hmm. But every day, every month, every year, we're tilted at just the right angle. We never get too close to the sun, too far from the sun. We never miss a revolution of the earth. How do you explain that? Well scientifically yeah we could come up but you got to say there's there's a god that did this which that's the point it makes us go back to god. Mm-hmm. It makes us say when we look at creation there must be a designer there must be a god and he is glorious. There's nobody like him. Mm-hmm. He, we should worship him. Yeah. We should talk about him. Yes, let's have science. Let's 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 search out what he's done in science. Let's express his glory in art and music and whatever else. But Boy, most of all, let's recognize him and let's worship him mm-hmm. and see him for he is. You know, you and I were talking about this. We talk about creation and and we'll get into the creation a little bit, but uh great comfort I think is a guy read this. It's so, I was reading this just in preparation for today. The eyeball, if I remember right, your eyeball has 40 systems in it that are operating working together, interlocked. 40 Wow. So that your eye, because the the greatest lenses that we have in this world that we've ever created, don't even remotely come close to the eyeball. Mm -hmm. And all of these systems are working together thousands of ways so that you and I can look at each other and look at our notes and look at this microphone. And, and the thing is they want to say, well, that happened by evolution. That, that, that in creation, it, it, it wasn't created that we evolved from, you know, the, the, the primeval slime, and and then the, <laughs> we we you know whatever came out of it, and then the next thing, and, and then the, and the, and the excuse me, and then the monkey, and then whatever, and then all of that evolved over millions of years. It evolved and got better and better and evolved. Okay, so let's just for a second say that's true for a human. Then how is it that the monkey, the kangaroo, my dog Bodhi, the bird the smallest, tiniest, teeniest being that has an eyeball, how come we all have the same thing with the same system working? So you're going to tell me that every species developed the exact same eyeball with the exact same 40 systems interlocked working exactly the same in every creation. Now, you're going to tell me that that can happen? If that's true, let's go buy a lottery ticket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the odds of that happening are just and so if you're just gonna go by science, then you've got to come up with an explanation for that. Okay. Well, macroevolution and yes, species change and they they, okay. Yeah, but you can't prove macro microevolution, yeah, there is microevolution. Species evolve. I remember somebody said one time, we may just one day lose our pinky toes because we don't really use them for anything.
0: <laughs> I've heard of a people who lived on an island with like a a lot of water, like all around, well, obviously it's an island, but they spend a lot of time in the water, and the specific people have developed webbing in between their toes and lungs that are capable of holding more air. That's crazy, it's
1: insane. But that's microevolution. Yeah, adapting okay. to
0: your environment but, slightly.
1: But but macroevolution is where a kangaroo becomes a human. Mm-hmm. Okay, when and that you just don't see that. That just doesn't. Ha- but that's the only way you can explain it. So so my point is friends listeners we got to get our eyes back on god Mm -hmm. and let god be god and let him be the designer let him be the creator let him be the supernatural force that is so vast so complex so beyond us so glorious that he can just speak entire universe comes into existence Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool that's good all right, so let's talk about the image of God. So that's kind of in your neck of the woods.
0: Yeah, so and we kind of touched on it just a little bit, but um, you know, the the final creation, if you will, are they're humans. And God says that let us make man in our image. In our image, let us make them, you know, male and female, let us make them. So God makes male and female in his image. And this so, means are you gonna touch on the whole let us
1: Make man in well, our Well, that's image.
0: Uh, obviously a sign
1: that's a uh, reference to the Trinity as well. Let us make man in our, our image. image. So there you have God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Three per- Persons, which we talked about in the last episode. But exactly. I mean, that's a lot of people don't even maybe see that. Exactly. Anyway, so, th- sorry,
0: what? Go ahead. Uh, so we are made in God's image and we're made after everything else is created. And God specifically tells humanity to multiply, to fill the earth, and to subdue it. So our entire purpose as human beings is to multiply, to make other human beings, to fill the earth. So humanity starts in the garden, but they were never meant to stay there. They were never meant to remain in Eden, but they were meant to take Eden everywhere with them and then to go and to fill the earth. So the goal of humanity was to be... Really in the image of the invisible God and to spread his image and his dominion, subduing, ruling of the earth, and to spread it everywhere. We are to be people who spread God's kingdom, God's rule, God's image, God's character, who God is, his will, his ways, and spread it throughout So the
1: all those people on that TV show about Alaska, the last frontier— uh-huh. Why would anybody want to live up there and yep. all that snow and sub-temperatures is that God, they're doing the will of God.
0: And, and that's why I think the Tower of Babel is such a pernicious, if you will, rebellion against God. All of humanity unites together in a c- a single place and tries to build a tower to God. God changes their languages and ships them out into the world. God, in a sense, almost forces sinful humanity to uh, go and to subdue the earth because of what they're doing.
1: I I know this. I hope this won't alienate any of your listener. Just don't, just forget. But I read an article by Tucker Carlson, who's you know a guy on Fox News, uh-huh. and I know he can be controversial. I I think usually he has a lot of common sense. I think the guy has a lot of common sense, but he did this whole thing, which is what he does every night. You know, he does this whole thing. He did this whole thing on why cities are are so bad because you lock you lump all these people together <laughs> you have crime it's dirty it, there's smog it's it's loud it and he said there's this part of people that want to just get out and they want to be in wide open spaces they just want to get away mm-hmm. from people and move out and and it's kind of like what you're talking here is there's just something inside of us to just yeah you know, to, to, to get to get out but um so, so let me ask you this before you get into you know this whole thing I'm going to ask you what do you think it means when he says that god made man in his image so we actually have an episode
0: on this so I would like encourage you to go listen to that episode I don't remember the the number but I think it means that we reflect god in our character so god obviously doesn't have eyes a head ears arms leg so it's not visible But it's a reflection um, in our character and a reflection in our purpose. So essentially if an alien came down and they saw the way that we um, treated the earth and treated one another, they would see God's character. So they would see people that are gentle and humble and loving and, uh, kind, creative, patient and creative. They would see people who are rational. So the animals aren't made in the image of God because they're irrational. I think part of us is that we are rational. I think human language, um, you know, God spoke, God is the word. I think the fact that we can speak, um, the fact that we are creative, that we share in God's creation. Um, I think it was, um, Saint Cyril of Alexandria, who said that one of the ways that we most participate in the image of God is through childbearing, because it is a way in which we participate in the very creation of God, that you and I play a part by God's grace in creating an eternal human soul. I mean, that is really powerful. Mm -hmm. And we share in the very creativity of God, that we actually play a part in creating something through procreation, giving birth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what an honor and uh, something that's absolutely incredible. So, so I think that that is um, that that is a way in which we we share in the very image of God and reflect Him and His purposes. And you could even say um, uh, marriage. I would say, in the sense that, you know, I, I don't I don't know if this is getting too creative here, but we know that marriage is a, a sign and symbol of Christ and the Church, right? And so there is a sense in which we. At least reflect God's eternal purposes, even through marriage and childbearing and things like that. So we are to 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 be, you know, God's hands and feet, His body, His character, His will, and uh, to spread His dominion, um, His creativity, His rulership, um, His beauty. I think humans are created to make beautiful things um, throughout all of the earth. So
1: when God made Adam and Eve, and came down and communed with them in the cool of the evening and the day. He came down to these two highest creations, made a little lower than the angels, mm-hmm. crowned them with the glory and honor, and he saw something of himself in them. Yes. And he chooses to work through them. Right. God could have established
0: his dominion without us, but he, he always chooses people for whatever reason. So
1: God wants, in creating humanity. He wants to see something of himself in a human being that reflects the image, the reflection that is a reflection of his moral character. Mm-hmm. So we know we don't have his communicable attributes but his, or his incommunicable attributes, but his moral character. Mm-hmm. And then in our actions to reflect something of of how he operates, so that there should be something in a human being that, that when God looks at them, makes them, reminds them of of who he is and what he does.
0: And it's always done in communion with him. I think that's why God um, not only creates the Sabbath, but he walks with them in the cool of the evening is uh, we only, we reflect
1: God out of an intimate communion with him. So let's go down a road. I know you you and I talked about for this episode, we decided we were going to be a little more it's conversational, conversational here. So, when Adam sinned and that image was shattered, do, do we really understand the effect? Now, nothing catches God by surprise. Okay, so God knew before He created man that He would fall. But do we understand? Maybe you want to touch on this. How? What impact did that have on God from the from the approach that I originally created you in my image. There's things in you I wanted to see, and now you've gone and blown it. Uh, I don't know that we want
0: to say it has an impact on God in the sense we obviously know God can't be caught surprised, nor can he change,
1: nor, you know, we we know all those things. Um, But obviously it it affects God because it says he hates our sin. mm -hmm. He hates sinful actions. He takes judgment against sinful actions. So, I mean, I've got to, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Over Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that stoned the prophet. I mean, How I want long. So I, I don't want to make God this inner, unemotional. Yeah, yeah, being. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. surely it broke the heart of God, even though He knew it was coming. Uh, but but I but I I think too. Like I'm thinking, it broke the heart of God. The the, the incredible disappointment. Adam, where are you? What have you done? Uh huh. I mean, just think of the incredible. Because I don't know. You know, we did the episode of the image of God, but I don't think we talked about this, especially in context of creation, that he had just had this wonderful communion with Adam and Eve, and everything was going great, and who knows how many months or years went by. And then one day, it's all blown. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the disappointment God had?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: and not just because they messed up one time, but because of the, of the long-range ramifications of what they had done. Mm-hmm. Like, you've blown it for everybody. You've created this entire world of what was perfect. You've just turned paradise into hell. I think, yeah,
0: and really what I was trying to get is that we use anthropomorphisms for God. We know God can't change, but yet God does hate our sin. Or, you know, the Bible says that he regretted making humanity and things like that. So, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things that, I think it's just that, that God looks at humanity and he in a sense, right? regrets making them because of their sin. I, there's, there's in a sense that he hates our sin. He hates what has happened. He hates that his entire creation is affected by us. Us being made in the image of God and taking dominion over the earth means that where we go, um, the earth is influenced. God has handed this dominion over to us. That's why when we fail, the rest of the earth fell as well. The rest of creation.
1: And see, that's what I'm getting at, is I'm just going down this road, you know, and I got imagination. I'm just thinking right now, I guess what I'm trying to stress is, and I don't know that we do a good enough job of this as pastors, churches, whatever, as believers, the image of God. I just don't think we're putting enough emphasis on that. I'm having this just epiphany right now. Today is the first day of epiphany, by the way. (laughs) No kidding. It's January 6th. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. <laughs> it's just being nerdy. I'm gonna say it backwards. Right. Wow. Anyways. Um. So the image of God is shattered. What he wanted, what he intended, has been destroyed by Satan and sin. He immediately, instead of just balling us up like walling us up like a wad of paper and throwing us in the trash can, immediately goes and kills two animals mm-hmm. and sacrifices their lives for the first time. Something dies. And God kills it. I think
0: when makes redemption. Yeah.
1: In order to this is what I'll say. Then you yeah. respond to say, I, "I this image means too much to me."
0: That's what I was about to say. I think because we're not just nobodies, but for God to make something in His own image is a dignity that I don't think we'll ever be able to fully grasp. He doesn't say that about the angels. He says that the angels are higher than us. We were made a little lower than the angels, but what the angels don't have is the very image of God, that we were created to commune with him and reflect him in such a powerful way. And so when God makes us, even in our sin, he hates our sin. He pronounces judgment on our sin, but God loves us as people he's made in his own image to reflect his kingdom so much that instead of just destroying us, you're right, he chooses to redeem us. He promises Eve that, and I, and I think what's so powerful, like I touched on earlier, is God loves us so much and his image so much that he even chooses to redeem
1: us through us. <laughs> I, I, I and, and I think that we are guilty of looking at redemption and salvation always selfishly and from our own point of view. He's saving me. He's changing me. He's keeping me from hell. He's taking me to heaven. I'm looking at it right now from God's point of view is, yeah, all that's going to come with it. But I got to restore this image. I'm looking from God's point of view is I created y'all f- for a purpose, mm-hmm. and that purpose is to reflect me in your character and who you are and what you do. I got to get that back. Yeah. And here's the links I'm going to go to. I'm going to kill two animals. I'm going to cover your 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 bodies your nakedness, but I'm also going to cover your sin with that animal's blood. I'm going to set in motion a sacrificial system. And I think that's why Abel was righteous and, and Cain was it because he tried to, he tried to restore the image through works and Abel offered sacrifices. Are you
0: really, he just continued to reject God's image. He wanted to do things on his own terms, right. not God.
1: So that's something he he, he, he was doing it the wrong way. Okay. Then along comes, which we know sacrifices were offered through the patriarchal period. Mm-hmm. You know Abraham pitched his tent and built his altars.
0: He sacrificed
1: his own son, or was it, going to. It, he was that much. And so then the, Moses comes along, and the Levitical priesthood, and you have the 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 sacrificial system that now is set in place for the nation of Israel. God is constantly through humanity from that moment saying, "I'm doing everything I can. I got to get that back. I want.
0: I desperately want to redeem these people made in my. Own I want image.
1: the image back for for my glory and for their good. Right, but, but that's the point is we're always saying for my good, for us, God did it for me, he died for me, he died. No, yeah, okay, all that's true and that really works in presenting the gospel. But I guess today in this let's talk about God mm-hmm. podcast, I'm really having this revelation right now is there was a side of God that said, yeah, but I'm doing this because that's your original purpose. That's how I designed you. And you blew the design. You've taken a vacuum cleaner and you're using it to do something dirty, you know, <laughs> whatever. You're doing you, the opposite. Yeah, you're doing the opposite with it. I'm. I designed you specifically. Okay, you're you're a brand new Tesla, loaded out luxury car, and you're out there mudding the field. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not what that was designed for. That car's made for touring. And uh, see what I'm saying? God says I got to get that back, mm-hmm. and He's gonna go to. And finally, He sends Jesus to this earth, who is a man who reflects, who is God, who is reflecting the likeness of man and dies so that we could once again reflect the likeness of God. Mm-hmm. That's good. God became
0: man so that we might become like God. Exactly. Ancient phrase from St. Athanasius.
1: Yes. it's exactly and, what it does. And, and, and again, to save us, to redeem us, to change us, to justify us, yay, all of that, Hallelujah. But man, from God's point of view, is I am restoring the image. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're transferred. We're changed from glory to glory into well, his image. That's why the incarnation is so important because for the first time
0: since Adam, there is a man truly in the image of God. Like, think about that. Jesus is made fully man, but without sin. He, so he takes, he takes, he is not partially man he takes his manhood from the virgin mary 100% but he's man. conceived by the holy spirit he does not take on our sinful nature he takes on original human nature and now for the very first time there is hope for humanity because there is a w- he's he's the first true human since adam that's why he's the second Adam that's why he's the second Adam we are all corrupted by our sin he's not less man he is most man he is 100% man who we were made to be and we have hope that now there exists a human being uncorrupted by sin and when we put on Christ are made one with Christ are in union with Christ that's why Paul emphasizes it so much we have hope that we can be joined to that sinless man and have hope for ourselves as well that's why the incarnation is so powerful
1: and i think that there could be believers who and i've seen this who say well i'm saved but you know i'm i you know i got problems and i got this and i don't always do this right i'm this and but i'm saved and i'm like no you're more than saved. You're, the image of God has been restored in you. And is being restored. And it's being restored. That's sanctification, and it's a lifelong process. And when you're glorified, it'll be completed. Mm-hmm. But, but don't shortchange yourself. Understand God created you in his image. He created man in his image. Sin destroyed that. God values this so much that he sent Jesus so that he can restore the image of God. That's why the word godly is in the Bible. It means to be like God, mm-hmm. and we are we are to be godly people. And if you shortchange yourself and start making excuses for for you know for wrongdoing and 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 loose living and carnality and and things that are worldly, all oh, you're you're just you're you're not helping the process. You're, you're missing the point. You're not helping the process. You're missing the point. Mm-hmm. The point is, God said, I want to renew you and restore you to what you were supposed to. And I think if we don't know what we were supposed to be, sometimes we don't know what to aim for. It's like a moving target. Mm-hmm. But if you can say, okay, every day I need to, I need to reflect Jesus, I, that's, that's the target. The target is stayed still. I just, God saved me so I could reflect him. And I think that plays out in a number of
0: ways, and that's why I'm glad we did our episode on vocation, is that that not only plays out in morality, right, in in not sinning and also working righteousness, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, but it works out in vocation is that to be the image of God is to subdue the earth, to take dominion, often called the cultural mandate. That's why we see the first human beings— they go out and they build cities. It's, uh, we hear of the first guy who makes instruments, the first one who makes you know, bronze tools, uh, people who go out and they're, they're hunters or they're nomads or they're gatherers or um, they, you know, they further in farming or whatever else, that to be in restored in the image of God is to continue that mandate to take dominion over the earth and um, to live out life in your vocation. So you reflect God not only when you work righteousness and refrain from sin, but when to the glory of God you live out in your vocation. And so when you create art or you uh, work with your hands or you um, start a family or you help further the good in your city, when you love your neighbor through your vocation, you were reflecting the image and the glory of God and what God has told you to do. God did not call us to be monks that hide away and aren't visible, to, but to reflect the creativity, the work, the image of God in your
1: vocation. When, when you help somebody, when you forgive somebody, when you give them hope, when you give them the truth.
0: But even think, apart from that, when you go to your job, you reflect God. When you work at McDonald's, a job most people belittle, when you're a cashier, you legitimately play a small part in loving your neighbor by providing an opportunity for them to eat food and live. Well, whether <laughs> like, you eat
1: or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory to of the God. To the glory of God. It's, it's, it's in your work. You, you should glorify God. And you reflect God by being productive, by working. Being honest yeah not by cheating creating. not stealing anything from work not trying to undermine others adding value to others absolutely so in
0: everything that you do whether you view it as explicitly moral or not or spiritual or not it is spiritual it is it is good and it reflects god's glory so when you're just at your work it, let's say you work by yourself You interact with no people at all. As long as your work is not in and of itself evil, right, like prostitution, drug dealing, whatever, right, you are reflecting God's image by being creative, by working, by producing, and you're loving your neighbor in a variety of ways that you probably don't even think of through this complex, you know, economical system. You're helping other people. You're reflecting God's
1: image. So I did a series recently and I think maybe this is a good way to close today. Um, that I talk about the will of God, what God wants, and I and I talk about the big three. And the first one is that is Romans eight twenty nine for those God foreknew He predestined mm-hmm. to be conformed to the image of His Son, and that's the will of God. God wants you to be conformed, shaped into the image, the the essence, the very essential nature of his son Jesus so that when people look at that's why I said, that's why we go back to Genesis one it, it, to, to today is when he made us in his image. Mm-hmm. He wants that image in us and Jesus helps restore that image in us. And then the next two commandments are love God and love your neighbor.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's how you do it. That's how you reflect the image as You love God and then you love people. And that's what God does. He yeah. loves people. Um, but yeah, anyway, I just I thought this is great today. I think it's great taking that this whole creation thing and then going in this direction. I've enjoyed this.
0: And we don't have to elaborate too long on this, but I think a proper way to end it is that creation is corrupted um, through our sin, but it will uh, be redeemed one day. Romans 8, beginning in verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us for the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay and to the glorious freedom of God's children. God says, the Holy Spirit says, speaking through the Apostle Paul, that creation itself, mountains and streams and valleys and deserts and all of those things, animals and plants and things we can't even imagine are eagerly waiting, anticipating the day that we are redeemed. Because when we are redeemed, it will be redeemed. Mm -hmm. Creation doesn't want to be subjected to futility, but it has been. And when God's sons are revealed and who we will be when we are glorified, creation will be made new creation is good and there's a day that when we creation stewards are made new in God's glory it will be redeemed along with us and we will live out that initial purpose we were made in to rule over and subject to us a good incorrupt perfect creation
1: when we're glorified okay when we're when we reach that place where we are beyond sin and death no longer touches us and i think that's when we fully reflect the glory of god mm-hmm. it's the only way we can be glorified yeah then the bible says that we come back to this planet and it says that the glory of the of the lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea yeah so the day there is a day when the glory of god everything will just make us think everything will make us think about god just think when adam was born when adam was created and he walked around everything he looked at made him think of god because he said wow god made that God mm-hmm. made that. God, look at that. God made that. Everything, and we, I don't think we do that today. I mean, I do sometimes. I'll, I'll get up in the tree standing early in the morning or go outside. and The sun's rising. I just it makes me think of God. Mm-hmm. But the day will come when everything will make us, it'll reflect who God is. Absolutely. Well, we
0: hope that you enjoyed this episode. Like, share, subscribe, rate, all the good things. Send it to somebody who needs it, and we will see you back in a couple of weeks.